0: This is On and Off Your Mat podcast episode 25, The Eight Limbs. My name is Erica, and I'm your host. For this episode, I sat down with Janet Stone. Janet is a world-renowned teacher and forever yoga student at heart. Her devotion to the practice and the study of yoga is palpable. She's based in San Francisco and I discovered her work at the Yoga Journal Live event a couple years back. I loved her teachings right away and continued to follow her work online. Whether it's in person or online, she offers great programs for students that want to take their studies a little further than what we can cover in public classes, and that's what we sat down to talk about today. As always, I really appreciate your support with this podcast, so if you leave a review on iTunes or on your iPhone podcast app, you automatically enter a giveaway. Once more, Atleta is supporting this podcast in their effort to ignite a community of strong women who lift each other up and is giving out a $75 shop card. If you want to know more about the giveaway, stay tuned. I'll give more details at the end of the show and I'll announce the winner of our last giveaway. On that note, take a listen. We covered a lot of stuff in this episode. You might actually have to listen twice, but I'm sure you'll enjoy. Hi, Janet. Hi, Erica. Thank you so much for joining me today. Ah, my pleasure. Janet is an internationally renowned yoga teacher and teacher trainer based in San Francisco. She teaches vinyasa with a definite flair of bhakti and a strong attention to the eight limbs. On top of retreats, festivals, and workshops around the world, she offers online classes encouraging students of all paths to deepen their practice. And one of those online courses is focused on an eight limbs. so I thought it would be a great subject for us to tackle today on the podcast. Janet, for listeners that might not know you very well, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your yoga journey before we dig in our subject of today?
1: Oh my goodness! How long do we have? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think everybody has a particular story, and yoga definitely uh, came into my life at a pretty young age, mm-hmm. and and not in the way that we see yoga now. But my grandfather and three generations before him were born and raised in India, and so he had chants from India when I was a child, and uh, lots of wisdom that has come down. Definitely the more, you know, aspects of Hindu tradition, but uh a lot of connection to the devotion. Um so that was infused from a pretty young age. And then probably around 16 or 17, I found my first meditation teacher and really just one of my root teachers, Prem Rawat, and he's from India and um really followed him for Um, until this day, quite honestly. So it's been um, well over 30 years. I won't tell you specifically how many (laughs) years. (laughs) Um, And yet I still, you know, I was a multi-sporter and I raced mountain bikes uh, around the world and I traveled and I was in the film industry and my life was anything but... Um, what we see as sort of the yoga life. And yet I had a practice of meditation since I was 17 years old. Mm -hmm. So the asana didn't come until a little bit later, till I was traveling in India myself um, on hiatus from the film industry. And yeah, just found teachers in every aspect of my experience in India and then Shivananda. And then, yeah, just sort of unfolded from there. And I felt like it just kept tracking me down. I kept having a full career in the film industry and yet yoga just kept nipping at my heels until Hmm. it finally just grabbed me and (laughs) pulled me in for various external and internal circumstances.
0: Mm -hmm. Nowadays, oftentimes when people say yoga, they mean the physical practice, but how you, you present it already, there was like a nuance there, right? Traditionally, the postures are considered to be part of this bigger system. So...
1: Was mentioned, about four percent in the um, <laughs> the literature, the sutras, in which we really base a lot of our yoga on, and mm-hmm. asanas make up about four um, percent. And so that is actually those are physical um, body positions we place ourselves in, not dissimilar from say some aspects of gymnastics, calisthenics, um, and a more recent um, part of yoga. And in the way that we see it now, and it's how beautiful and amazing to be embodied and to really feel ourselves through our body. And I am a huge proponent of that. I really, excuse me, I really love the experience of, of unfolding the teachings through my physical system, since that's how we experience the world. Mm-hmm. And it is a, it is a tiny fraction of what yoga is.
0: Yeah. So within that system are the eight limbs. Can you explain What they are and why we need to know about them.
1: Yeah, well, the eight limbs really comprised from the Yoga Sutras, Patanjali, and this um, revered scholar, uh, and along with doctor, and he, you know, just had many facets to him and really um, kind of wrote down the, the journey or the pathway through the suffering of the mind in in an attempt to really alleviate some of our own suffering, what we have at our fingertips to lighten this um, dukkha, this um, suffering that we experience. And really through that, it has this tree, this amazing tree with amazing deep roots that um, we call the eight limbs. And, you know, we begin with just cleaning up our own Behaviors toward ourselves, our internal world, and our external world—like literally and figuratively cleaning up our mm-hmm. um, actions and reactions.
0: Mm-hmm. So now you're referring to the part of it that is yama and niyama, yes?
1: Yeah, you know, and those those it, it, that weaves through everything. But the yamas and the niyamas, for sure, you know, as it really is our beginning of yoga. That's actually where yoga begins, and. Mm-hmm you know for doing postures and yet we're violent to ourselves and our conversation inside our head is um aggressive and unkind then you know that's actually not a practice we're not practicing yoga then mm-hmm. <laughs> again we're doing calisthenics and berating ourselves like we do throughout many of other things that we do but this is really a way of um cleaning up the exterior and interior of our world and For me, that is when the practice really came alive as my sense of this practice is wherever we start is where we start, but we can start on any limb. But sure enough, when we start to um, apply the yamas and the niyamas, these compasses, these jewels, these ethical principles to the way in which we are in the world, my goodness, the um, foundation and strength and fortitude of this tree uh, is so much more powerful Mm-hmm.
0: You mentioned um, suffering before. What the eight limbs are trying to guide us towards, or what's the goal of that container?
1: Yeah, it's really our some scaric patterns our undigested experiences that have us um, stuck in these grooves of behaviors we don't even want to participate in, quite honestly, and yet we don't have a sense of getting out or how we can get out of these. And I remember when the eight limbs were first presented to me at my training, Mm -hmm. (laughs) excuse me, I have a little bit of a cough. (laughs) So when they were first presented to me, I felt disassociated from them. They felt so far away and impossible to uh, connect with and like, oh, maybe in another lifetime sort of thing. Mm -hmm. But as I began to understand them as a day in and day out um, practice, Uh, the way in which they came alive decreased my um, grip on expectations or the way I think I should be or it should be Um, dukkha is essentially wanting things to be other than they are Mm -hmm. uh, which is how we spend the majority of our days you know we have these ideas or expectations And even in our asana practice, we sit there and we think, well, I should be more flexible. Mm -hmm. (laughs) The teacher should be more this. The room should be more (laughs) more like that. You know, the list just kind of goes on and on. And so there we are in this most beautiful uh, potential to um, feel the greatest light. And yet we're still stuck in this uh, loop of dissatisfaction. Mm
0: -hmm. You mentioned that we can start at any limb. So, most people will start with asana, especially here in the West. But if we do start with the yamas and the niyamas, where are we starting from and where are we trying to go through that? Sometimes it's thought of a ladder, right? Like you start at the bottom and you kind of mm. climb up towards the top.
1: Mm. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For sure. And mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I like this. Start where, be, yeah, just. I think being honest with who you are is is the best place to start and what's happening and, and honest about your reactivities and um, making friends with yourself really uh, and offering kindnesses to yourself is the perfect rung of the ladder to begin on. But you know what? We'll go to all of these at various moments and I'll drop back down. And I certainly this is what helped me with the yamas and the niyamas and all of these practices is that I will never be done with them. Mm-hmm. That is my understanding is that they are forever alive and ever um, valuable along this journey. Just the moment I think that, oh, yeah, I've got that one, <laughs> it's coming back for me. You know, oh, no, Satya, truthfulness, oh, I, you know, I've, I own that. And then I'll find that there's another layer, another level, or a way in which I still kind of hide myself or protect my ego, or, um, which is all fine and great. And it's just like, well, how strong do I want this tree to be? Well, I'm going to keep visiting these limbs and trimming off the branches and keep tending to it. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely not a straight line. It is not a straight line or a straight <laughs> ladder or a straight, not for me. And maybe it is for others. And so I cannot say for anything other than my own experience, but, you know, watching human nature and being familiar with it, it seems like it's it's a lifelong practice and that you'll want to um, keep that pathway to each of the limbs. <laughs> mm-hmm. Keep the map to all those limbs available.
0: Yeah. So to understand them a little bit better if some people that are listening have not really heard about them very much can we break down one by one and kind of go through them?
1: Yeah, I don't know how again how much time we have but you know I can <laughs> I can give a little bit of a cliff notes version. Yeah, yeah in the sense there, that there we go. yeah, the very first is as, as the yamas as I as I mentioned and we've talked about those couple the yamas and the niyamas the first two. Um, already. And Mm -hmm. within the yamas, there are five yamas. There are five of them. And we begin with the very first, which is non-harming or Mm non-violence. And as obvious as that may seem to everyone, I mean, this is um, continuously cleaning up our internal chatter, what we say to ourselves, continuously Mm -hmm. cleaning up our relationship with the world, what we eat, what we purchase, what we do, what we say, all of that. If we're creating violence and harming another living creature to eat or to have clothing or to, then we're already (laughs) outside the realm of ahimsa. Mm -hmm. Ahimsa is the very first, the very first, the very first, and probably the very last that we'll have to continually (laughs) return to it again and again. Yeah? Yeah, we're spiraling. Yeah. And then also, yeah. you know, then there's the long conversations of, well, am I harming myself by not having this thing? Am I, you know, so it's there's so many um subtleties around it. But when we truly tune in, when we calm the chatter, we know what feels aligned with nonviolence and what doesn't. Mm-hmm. In again, what we purchase, what we consume, what we eat, media as well, like what we're watching, mm. all of that. The second in the yamas is satya, truthfulness, uh, sincerity, this absolute willingness to be naked and vulnerable within who you are and to not um, have so many defenses and protective measures around um, trying to prop up this image of yourself that is not yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where so many of the lies come in. Um, laziness, boredom, discomfort, um, wanting to fit into the pack, not wanting to be sort of outside the realm. It's like, oh, I love Greece. Uh, me too. When you haven't ever been, you know, or, or whatever it is, it's like these total throwaway lies all the time that pretty much pepper our days and Mm. beginning to clean those up, you know, all the way from grandiose lies to really tiny, small. Yeah, that we might not even really notice. Yeah. And even in our pay attention. asana. Yeah, exactly. In our asana practice as well. You know, it's like, what am I really, truly up for today? No, I wasn't up for Ashtavakrasana, and yet I did it. I wonder why my shoulder hurts. Mm. You know, um, one thing I have to say about Satya is that become a student of your body because the mm. body never lies. Mm. I'm not only talking about, oh, shoulder injury, oh, my knee or my joints or my back. I'm talking about it has an. When you're feeling something that is off, your body knows. When something, you know, when some situation isn't right, your body speaks a thousand (laughs) volumes to you, but we tune it down. We don't listen. We definitely shove it aside. So ahimsa satya, asteya is non-stealing, not taking more than is being offered. And I really want to make that distinction in that it's not just not stealing, we steal in conversations. We steal when we we're running late. We steal when we take up more energy in a room or space than we need. Keep keeping our phone on, it's ringing when other people are, you know, have their phone off in in a yoga room, whatever it might mm-hmm. be. Right? That's mm-hmm. all stealing. Um, but that's also the earth resources and our own body's resources. Running ourselves on empty pushing our adrenals past their point, pushing this earth to the point of extinction of 50% of our animals, that 70% of our forests are gone, that we just consume, 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 consume until we're in oblivion. And it happens in our own bodies and it happens uh, from what we're taking from the earth. So I, (laughs) Mm -hmm. as a conservationist, um, or aspiring conservationists, <laughs> uh, you know, Asteya is is a big one,
0: mm-hmm. and it's a challenging one in our society today. It's so
1: reverse of what is encourage or Yeah, get more, get more, be bigger, get more, have more, be more. Mm-hmm. Brahmacharya, which actually just sort of supports this calming down of our constant need to consume, is really Absolutely. walking. Yeah, walking in the path of the divine. So really, just feeling the sacredness. And all that we do, feeling the connectivity and the sacredness of something that is beyond our selves. So Brahmacharya can also be sort of conserving our own vital life force. Mm-hmm. So it's been known as chastity as a way of sort of controlling our sexual desires, but really all of our grasping and our desires um, can be supported by, you know, calming those by really just being in wonder. That's what I think of when I think of Brahmacharya. It's just being in a place of awe and wonder.
0: Hmm. I didn't seen it like that. I saw it more as a like moderation, but that's very interesting.
1: Yeah, but when you're in, and when you're kind of in awe of something, it's you don't need to overstuff it's yourself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. If it you have, enough. Yeah, exactly. Mm. You just don't feel like you're lacking. So you don't have to shove more in, more love, more sex, more food, more cake, whatever, mm-hmm. more alcohol, more edibles, whatever's happening. You know, you just you feel the sacredness. So, and then a parigraha is, is non hoarding or non grasping. Look in our purses. Last <laughs> night in my <laughs> yoga <laughs> class, I looked along the walls of the yoga class and it, it, it it was literally just mounds and mounds of stuffed bags. Like, what do mm. we actually need? What are we grasping onto? Relationships, as well, we grasp onto those. Stories about ourselves, as well, we grasp onto. Story about others, we grasp onto. It's it's really kind of anywhere from the grossest, most obvious to the most subtle ways in which these can be applied.
0: Mm. What are some tools we can use to include the yamas in our physical practices? This is where we started.
1: Yeah, I think begin begin at ahimsa. Do a 30-day practice where every single practice that you go into, that ahimsa is the basis of it. Then move Mm -hmm. to satya or do 10 days with each one. That's a 50-day practice. Mm -hmm. But each time you get onto a mat or each time you get onto your cushion, that you're actually observing the ways in which you have Um, harmful speech or, you know, if you're in a public class and someone comes in and you just shoot someone daggers because they put their mat too close to yours or (laughs) in the wrong, they took your spot or, you know, whatever it might be. (coughs) There there are ways in which we absolutely can uh, bring these into our practice.
0: So a great place to start is just with the intention of how you practice and how you show up. Yeah. Um, for teachers that might not feel comfortable teaching explicitly, like the yamas in their classes, how can mm. they act in a way that embodies that so they teach by example instead?
1: Yeah, they they live it. <laughs> if they're living in a way and they're really engaging in uh, truthfulness and engaging in not taking more than is being offered and so on and so forth, it's it's going to emanate from them. They don't have to use a bunch of words. They mm-hmm. will actually just express it the way that they arrive in the room the way that they hold the space for others, the way that they sort of lessen the the story that the whole class is about them. And, you know, mm. it just starts to, it starts to come out and, and, you know, using words of nonviolence and compassion and honesty, you don't have to use the Sanskrit words. That's fine. If people don't feel comfortable with that, they, it's, there's a lot of ways to talk about taking more than you're being offered <laughs> mm-hmm. or grasping that is relatable to yeah. everyone who would be in there. Absolutely. Okay, let's
0: move on to the Niyamas. Where are those in contrast to the Yamas?
1: Support of. Mm. They're there in support of. It's all the same, same, but different. You know, you can you can really just use them as a support to to enact on the yamas as well. Niyamas is this uh, internal personal self-care, and we begin with Saucha. Saucha is about um, cleanliness or cleaning it up, and that's, sure, clean up your space, clean up your body. That means what you put in it, what Mm -hmm. you put on it, (laughs) Mm -hmm. just how you treat it. This, you know, for me also has to do with the Dhinacharya, which is the daily um, rituals of Ayurveda, you know, of, Mm -hmm. of Cleaning, cleaning off your tongue, cleaning off the eyes, all the portals of perceptions through the ears, so on and so forth, and rubbing the oil on the body, the abhyanga. So it could be anywhere, again, from the most obvious all the way to the most subtle, cleaning up your speech, mm. cleaning up what you post, what you write, what you read. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, so it goes to... So mental clarity, too, comes yeah. in there.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. But mental clarity is very hard to get to When we have cluttered space, cluttered thoughts, cluttered actions.
0: Yeah, it will be a consequence if you declutter everything around you.
1: Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. For sure. I know it's a really popular thing right now. (laughs) And, you know, definitely the yoga teachings have been saying it for quite some time. And, you know, they didn't necessarily put it in a cute little marketable packet, you know, but it's there, it's present. And if you're really in the practice, you're keeping a clean body, clean space. Um, and then the mind will follow, you know mm-hmm. Santosha, which is contentment, and contentment is uh, something far uh, deeper than happiness it It's really receiving life as life is. It's really just embracing that there'll be birth and there'll be death, there'll be joy and there'll be sorrow. and there's a way of being in the world amidst all of that, all the coming and the going, all the winning and the losing. There's mm-hmm. a place that is um, so deep within you that dwells so deep within you, and is present and available whenever you need. When you relax back into just pure contentment,
0: so it relates closely to equanimity.
1: Equanimity, absolutely, and you know the the a pathway, an active pathway to get toward contentment, because contentment is not an active thing. Mm-hmm. It's just. A sensation <laughs> but it's gratitude. So really using gratitude um, as a compass, as a tool to move toward contentment. So you can you know start with a morning practice where when you sit up on your bed and you put your feet on the floor, you run through what am I grateful for? Oh, I'm grateful for the warmth in this room. I'm grateful for the strength in my legs or whatever the list might be. You can list make a practice of listing one to five things each day and just something as simple as that it doesn't have to be you know you're just not going to snap your fingers and there you are it's it's bringing it throughout your world the last three niyamas are um really considered what's called the kriya yoga the mm-hmm. practice and action yeah so kriya yogas really are begin with tapas which is true it's really practice practice um And showing up for the fire that you're going to keep tending throughout this entire journey. It's um, consistency, constancy. Uh, It's like, you know, when you're trying to light a fire and you're rubbing those sticks together, it's (laughs) like he keeps showing up and rubbing the sticks together, um, melting uh, away the delusion, the illusion I feel like I'm trying to shove a lot of information. In here. <laughs>
0: you did great. that's okay, amazing.
1: Now. We're a topic okay, you know because whomever is listening mm-hmm. I really encourage you to begin where you are. You don't have to digest any of this information. Maybe if you just get even one little hint or one little inspiration that that's enough, you know yeah. just to start. but you know it's fun since we're talking, rolling through all of them. <laughs> Scratching the surface and Scratching seeing what's out the surface. there. Exactly. Um, from tapas, you have svadhyaya, which is the study of oneself. And it can be through um, texts, uh, written teachings. It can be through really self-study, just starting to understand who you are and why you behave the way you behave, unearthing this you that is below all the surface of your external circumstances. Mm. It is a very powerful journey and very humbling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, and then lastly in the niyamas is Ishvara Pranidhana. Ishvara Pranidhana is somewhere between faith and humility and surrendering to the divine, the Ishvara, and whatever that Ishvara is for you—the Lord, mm-hmm. the essence, the universe, the uh, cosmos, the trees, nature. whatever it might be, but that you give yourself over um, and let some of the grasping and need to manage the world. Because if everyone's honest with themselves, (laughs) they're out there running around trying to manage the world to fit their idea or ideal. Yeah, And the world is just the world. People are just being people and surrendering over endlessly to um, this infinite, Wisdom that is beyond our our seeing, what we can clearly see is pretty much the beginning of the beginning, of the beginning. Mm,
0: mm-hmm. If we move on to the third limb, which is asana, why is the physical practice important? Or what's the
1: goal of the asana bodies? Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> asking big pray. questions. We live in it. It is our temple. You know, Mm -hmm. we absolutely can treat it as such, treat it like going to the altar of your own heartbeat of where your mind exists and your heart mind are present in this body. Everything you get to receive and give is from this body. And so to have it as cleared out, cleaned up, awake and vital as possible that's what the asanas are for. <laughs> they're mm-hmm. not for your Instagram post. They're truly <laughs> they're truly to awaken to um your deepest awareness and your deepest vitality. And my goodness, if they aren't just an endless laboratory mm-hmm. for all of the things I just talked about.
0: In your opinion, can you say that we practice yoga if we don't practice the physical movement or if we only practice the physical movement?
1: Oh, it's, it's, you know, yoga as defined is where you're no longer a puppet of your preferences. That's essentially yoga, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, the unification into reality and the embrace of reality in its totality. So asana, no asana, who's to say? You know, there's a physicality mm-hmm. in meditation that's really intense. Yeah, it's really intense. If you're sitting and fully in the, and the breath is coming, and the body is alert and upright, that's a posture. You know, sthira sukham asanam. That steady and joyful seat. So the seat can be when you're inverted in a one-armed handstand. The seat can be. If you're sitting in meditation, even if you need to sit in meditation on a chair, whatever it might be, the seat is the seat of the sense of mm, arriving fully. Mm -hmm. Does that that, answer your question? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And that cultivation of that quality, right, of the shira, Mm. the shuka, um, it kind of relates back to the yamas and niyamas as well, your intention and how you're going to be in your body.
1: Mm, For sure. Absolutely, Mm -hmm. and there's so many right. There's so many uh, quote-unquote types of yoga, and people ask me what type of yoga I teach. I'm like yoga, (laughs) (laughs) yoga. You know, it's. Mm -hmm. I do my best to honor, the teacher's teachings.
0: Yeah, the next limb is pranama, which is breath control. But I think to understand what pranama is, we need to understand what prana is first. Mm -hmm. Can you say a few words on that?
1: Yeah, a lot of people think prana is breath, but actually prana is our vital life force. Mm -hmm. Um, It is what we're imbued with the moment we arrive and what uh, leaves the moment we're dead. And and each one of us has a certain amount of prana when we're born. We don't know how much. I don't know if it's long journey filled with prana or a short journey. And each breath and each day we're expending this resource. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And... The notion of the yoga is to move the life force as evenly and connectedly through this body as possible. So that's really to say that we become awake through every one of our cells. And so we use the breath, yama, right, back to restraint or, you know, these techniques. We use the breath to move the life force within our own body. And this can be as simple as uh, an aware count of an inhale that matches a count of an exhale. Or you do a shorter inhale and a longer exhale. Depending on your intention, there's so many various pranayamas to really meet whatever circumstances we might have in our body.
0: Mm-hmm. So that? there's no one precise goal with pranayama other than moving evenly that life force or... Mm, mm, mm. Yeah. It's not only expansion or it's not only calming your mind. It's not, it's super varied.
1: Yeah. So whether you're, you know, paraplegic, whether you have full use of your limbs, that you can actually participate in this practice of pranayama. Mm -hmm.
0: Do you think that prana is more subtle? So doing asana before is a way to be able to turn the attention a little bit more inward and be more focused Mm -hmm. on that subtle movement of the energy?
1: Mhm. Yeah, for sure. You know, and and I actually do sometimes the pranayama first cuz I know if I don't do it first that I won't get to it after. But there mm-hmm. is something about really moving in the body, warming up the places touching in to all the spaces in the body on this external physical gross movement level, then when you sit and like you said become more subtle, then you can really find those deeper spaces and those more subtle spaces in your being.
0: Especially probably if we have a lot of stress in our life and we feel very tight and restricted in the chest area, or even just, you know, we're breathing really shallow because we're stressed. Moving is going to help us move the energy before we can actually move it. Right. Like attention.
1: Yeah. You said if we're stressed and you should basically (laughs) say, because all of, (laughs) really, I mean, the majority of our culture Um, Just lives on a state of fight or flight of stress and anxiety. Uh, So yes, probably applicable to just about everybody.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The next limb are very similar, right? So Mm. Pratyahara, Dharana, and Dhyana are all in the realm of concentration, focus, meditation. How do you make the difference between the three?
1: Yeah, it's becoming more and more subtle. That's really how it goes, is that mm-hmm. you know we've taken care of these external, these tangible, these bits. Now pratyahara is really pulling our senses back in. So, you know, we're always looking out and we're taking in a million images and we're high and low because of them. Oh, I'm happy, I love that. Look at the little kitten, ooh, violence and, and sadness and grief over here. Ooh, I don't like that. And then what we hear, uh, horn honking, don't like it, ooh, beautiful song, love it. So we're just constantly being pulled by our senses, taste, Mm -hmm. like, don't like, so on and so forth. Then you take a moment and you attempt to draw in through all of your portal senses. It's almost like if you imagine just this um, whirl around you, almost like a um, storm. And the storm is all of your thoughts pulling you in all these directions, all of your senses pulling you in all these directions. And you take that storm and you just calm it and pull it all the way back into your body. Draw it back in toward the mind, heart, in toward the systems. So you're not engaging in all of this uh, high-low of the, the roller coaster drama.
0: Yeah? Mm-hmm. So you're cutting the external stimuli.
1: Yeah, you're slowing it or turning the volume down or cutting it. You know, cutting it is more challenging, but even mm-hmm. just turning the, the knob a little bit down, right? Then you go toward dharana, and dharana is, then you bring all of that energy, and that's, a, think about how much you expend every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's unbelievable how much energy we waste on our external mm-hmm. grasping and push-pull, You bring that and you take that powerful energy and you concentrate it in a direction. And that could be toward, wow, you light a candle, there's a beautiful flame, you open your eyes and you just look at that flame and all of your attention is going toward that flame or a murti, or you're out in nature and you have this beautiful landscape or a tree that you're, you know, whatever it might be, you just give full concentration without all of the preferences.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Would you consider that part of the one pointed meditation category?
1: Eka, yeah. I mean, Eka Drishti, Eka, you know, that Dharana where you bring everything into a point, and then Dhyana just carries it further, where we really just lengthen that focal point and open it out just a little bit. Open it out. You know what I'm saying? So it's it's not you're not even identifying that the flame you're looking at is a flame. It's no longer like here's me sitting here, here's that flame over there. It's almost this deeper immersion. Does that mm-hmm. make sense?
0: Yeah, it's prolonged, it's more absorbed, it's more focused.
1: Exactly.
0: So we concentrate
1: more and more
0: on less and less, basically. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's exactly it. And, you know, it could happen in an instant. Like I said, you could be kind to a crest of some trail or some ridge and you look out and oh, you just see it and you feel it and you concentrate on it. And all of the mental chatter and all of the dramas lessen or fade or soften out of view for a moment and then you give your whole attention that just lengthens and you feel connected to it and then you go to samadhi and samadhi is the final eight of the eight limbs and that's mm-hmm. complete absorption it's like you're just you're it you're one with the landscape one with the flame you're not uh, having a cause and effect experience you're just in complete attention
0: mm it's getting pretty challenging as we move up through those uh, layers. How can people cultivate those final four?
1: yeah, but they it it just it's available at any mm-hmm. moment, meaning to say you could just we don't have to have it be as grandiose as we think. I mm. think we have this idea that it's like well, but then I'll get to this,
0: oh, I will Especially ha- with samadhi. For me, it oh. sounds like something that's unattainable, unattainable. for average yogi. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Think of a moment when you met someone and there's a spark, there's fire, there's light. And, you know, you have this moment you're fully concentrated on them. And then there's this moment where it feels almost like there's no separation. And then there's this moment where it's just, you're mm. absorbed into whatever is exactly happening. That's somebody right there. Mm. The moment when you're laughing with your kids and you're just, abandon. You abandon sort of this way of um, us and them, uh, me and this. It's you're in it. You're fully of it. You're in it. You're cooking a meal. Some of the can happen right there. You're fully like all the sauces and the pieces are coming together. Mm. So this is what I really, this is, I feel like my dharma, my work is to remind people it's happening. It's there and it's available. Just wake up to it. Just notice it. It might last one
0: second, but if you add them back to back, you might have longer periods of it
1: every day. Absolutely. And and you'll also maybe want to choose ways of being in your life where you're not running and stressed and pushing and pushing and pushing. So you miss it all. So -hmm. you'll be like, you know what? I think, you know, if I make a half hour a day to go put my feet in the ocean, to make space to be just simply quiet and sit or whatever it might be. So you actually start to construct a life where those moments are possible.
0: Mm, you make space for them. Yes. You make space for them. You notice them more and yeah. they'll just take, they'll be there more and more. Yeah.
1: Look for it in mm. the people around you, the
0: interactions that you have. That's, that's helpful because you don't have to look for that liberation or that huge... Thing that sometimes feels like samadhi
1: is referred to as yeah exactly it's not out there for somebody else it's just not it's really here for all of us at any moment
0: hmm. that's amazing <laughs> it sounds so much more simple but it's it, <laughs> broken
1: it is. down like that it, and it really is and that's you know what i'm hoping if anyone's tuning in that that they just get this moment where they go oh this is really truly applicable to my life today. Yeah,
0: that's great. Um, anything else you feel like we need to add on
1: before we wrap this up? My goodness, if you even <laughs> if you even <laughs> take one half of a tiny section of this brief but jam-packed, you know, conversation on eight limbs, it's just begin with compassion. Make something doable, attainable, reachable. You know, let it be um, a living practice. This yoga is a living practice. It doesn't wait for your 90 minutes on a mat. Mm -hmm. It's everywhere. You have a chance in every moment of your day to be yoga. Mm. Yeah.
0: Be yoga and not do yoga. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So as you said, that was a lot of information. At the same time, it was just scratching the surface because it's such a deep pool of information and a big subject. Where can people go if they want to learn more about the eight limbs or if they want to dive in a little well, bit yeah, more? I
1: have a full 12-week online course mm-hmm. um, that, I, that I release annually and you know, to really dive in and step by step walk through and you walk through with a community um, of people globally. Like we have people in Korea, everyone who's joining in. Um, There are so many books on the sutras. Um, There's this great book by Nikolai Bachman called The Path of the Yoga Sutras. Mm -hmm. The Path of the Yoga Sutras. And for me, it's very digestible, very tangible. Um, mm, It's good. Very supportive.
0: Good. I'll put all your info in the show notes. But in the meantime, if people want to reach out to say hello, they want to study with you. Where's the best place for them to find you?
1: Yeah, you can go on my website janetstoneyoga.com. I mean, there's still websites out there, isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> um, or to Instagram, janetstoneyoga. It's really, I mean, we answer those all the time, and we're always in communication. So, yeah, feel free to check it out. And just really wishing um, everyone attention to this practice and a sweetness in this practice of yoga.
0: Mm, thank you so much.
1: My pleasure, Erica.
0: I'm sure the listeners are gonna going to find this episode super useful. So I'm very grateful for
1: your sharing with us today. Thank you for your efforts and um, Namaste. Namaste.
0: Thank you so much for listening. We have a degree guest coming up, so make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to your podcast. Now, if you want to make my day or you want to help other people find this podcast or get your chance to win a $75 shop card from Athleta, all you have to do is head on to iTunes or on the podcast app of your iPhone and write a review. As you leave your review, you automatically enter our giveaway, and I announce the winner on the next episode. Now, if you're newer to reviews, you can check out the show notes for instructions or for more info about our guests of today, or you can visit my website, ericabelanger.com slash blog dash podcast. And you'll find there links for the upcoming events that I mentioned in the last episode as well. At the time of the recording, there's still a bit of space in both. So on April 27th at Embrace San Rafael, I'm offering a workshop called Hips Don't Lie. We'll obviously work on the hip joint. We'll self-massage, mobility work, and stability corrective exercise. Then on May 10th at Suka Yoga up in Novato, I'm offering Roll, Renew, and Relax, a deep dive in relaxation with breath work and yoga nidra on top of self massage as well. So, coming back to our giveaway, our last episode was also supported by Atleta. Thank you so much if you left a review. The winner of that giveaway is user Madi S. Madi S said, I'm super grateful for Erica's podcast. Listening has expanded my understanding of yoga and the many ways to practice yoga. I love her insightful and thoughtful, provoking questions, and I'm left with a deeper understanding of how yoga shows up in my life and new ways to practice on and off the mat. Namaste, Erica. Namaste, Mari. Thank you so much for your comment. Email me at erika.belanger at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram and I'll send you your shop cards. See guys, it's that simple. Now, before we go, one last quick thing. I just want to say a big thank you to Alexander Saba working in the background of this podcast, creating the music, editing, and mastering. Once again, thank you for joining us. And until next time.